Welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor. Calming the Chaos provides self-help resources for people in crisis. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. Thanks for tuning in. And now, let the chaos begin. And the chaos has officially begun. I'm here today with a guest who is a colleague of mine down in Portland area in Oregon. She's a mental health counselor and also loves to cook. She's passionate about helping overwhelmed adults slow down the hustle for perfection and start nourishing themselves in the kitchen. Kristen Tand teaches tips and tricks to get out of your head and into your body, using cooking as a vehicle for living a richer life, while also taking the intimidation factor out of how to cook. Today, she joins me on Calming the Chaos, uh, hopefully to talk about some of the benefits of cooking and the possible uh, benefits of reducing anxiety, which I'm really uh, very interested in hearing about because I have very much anxiety in the kitchen. So without any further ado, I'm going to welcome Kristen Tand. Welcome, Kristen, to Calming the Chaos. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to have you here too, especially after the conversation that we had before. And I think we talked for quite a long time about my cooking uh, dislike. And uh, yeah, so I really appreciate having you on. Tell us a little bit about you and your practice and anything else that you think is relevant to this conversation, if you could. Sure, yeah. So in the introduction, you had mentioned that I'm a licensed professional counselor. So counseling is what I do most of the time. I have a small practice down here in Portland, and um, I started thinking about cooking and calming chaos for two reasons. One came through my work as a counselor. So I tend to work with a lot of um, high-functioning anxiety uh, in women. So women who work really, really hard, are really successful in their professional lives, but when they get home, they struggle. So they struggle with... um, doing the daily things, cooking in particular, but also like uh, getting laundry done, keeping up the house, making time for themselves, like just these little domestic things. Um, and so they often feel like frauds because they're killing it out there at work, but kind of feeling like they're kids when they're at home. <laughs> so, um, so cooking is one of my passions. I've been a home cook for over 20 years. Um, it's what I do when I'm in my off time. And so to be working with a lot of folks who struggle with cooking, I was like, huh, I wonder if I could kind of help them in that feeling of fraudness and that chaotic part in their life somehow through cooking. And then the other thing that led me down this path is that I got to a point of burnout a couple of years ago and, um, it was the point where like, I was thinking, what do I want to be doing with my time? And what I wanted to be doing was baking. I wanted to be just in the kitchen. So I realized that for me, cooking is very nourishing and calming um, because I can get out of my head and into my hands and just be doing something like kinesthetically. Um, And that was a lot more calming than a lot of the like ruminations and like running around in my head that I've been experiencing. So 
that's a little bit about me and kind of how I landed to wanting to teach people how to cook. <laughs> and, and you also have a podcast, correct? I do. I have a podcast. It's geared more towards my therapy practice. Um, it's called Parts, Power, and Leadership. And it's um, talking with um, female entrepreneurs and leaders about all things leadership and all things that go into being an entrepreneur and a leader. And it's through the lens of internal family systems, IFS, which is a type of therapy that I do and specialize in. So yeah, if you are curious about that side of things, feel free to check it out. <laughs> yeah, so maybe you can talk to the part of me who does not like cooking and ask it to maybe step back and be a little bit more willing to step into the kitchen. And by the way, lovely kitchen, and I'm really super stoked that you brought your kitchen with you. And uh, I don't know if you're going to whip something up for us, but we do have a couple surprises on this podcast. So if you're not watching the video version of this podcast, please check it out on my YouTube channel because the visual optics are going to be quite interesting. So there we go. Yeah, All right. Well, so Kristen, what would you do with a person like me who struggles with, uh, you know, in general, being a therapist, anxious, not wanting to do much of anything, but kind of like collapse into a pile of goo when I get home? I don't want to <laughs> cook. I don't want to do that. I leave that up to my, my husband, who's a master chef, apparently. <laughs> um, what would you say or maybe questions you could ask me about, like, um, about maybe my willingness to try uh, using cooking as a form of anxiety or chaos reduction. Yeah. Well, first I would say you're you're lucky to have a husband who who is a master cook and loves to cook. And I actually meet a lot of people who, if they don't like to cook, their partners do, and then it's it's much easier to have them cook. So I I totally get that. Um, but, you know, I, I'm a counselor who loves to cook, so I definitely feel like I would pull in some of my counseling skills here around kind of understanding what pieces of being in the kitchen and cooking you don't like or what's keeping you out of the kitchen, kind of exploring that a little bit. So, you know, I might ask a little bit about what's been your experience with cooking? What was your experience growing up with cooking? Mm -hmm. Or did anybody teach you how to cook? Or were there some negative experiences with cooking? And just kind of understanding a bit of like the barriers that have led to where you're at and why you don't like to cook and why, you know, why that's hard. And then also you said you mentioned like you're at the end of the day, you're really tired. You just are a pile of goo. You just want to go home, get some takeout, watch some shows <laughs> or something like that. Um, so then I would also maybe explore a little bit around what is keeping you like overwhelmed, busy, gooey at the end of the day? And is there, you know, like anything that can be kind of played with or shifted or moved around to make time? And the reason I say that is often the things that keep us really busy are really not very nourishing um, internally, uh, like emotionally, but also maybe like literally nourishment through food. And mm -hmm. if there's maybe some things that we could adjust to see if something would be more nourishing so that you could literally nourish yourself more with food. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, all wonderful questions for me. I, I think I'll start at the beginning. And it's interesting because I know you and I have talked about my one of my first cooking experiences and a couple of the earlier ones, but something just came up when you were talking about my very, very, very first experience 
cooking experience. Uh, do you remember those easy bake ovens? I don't know if you recall Absolutely those. Absolutely remember those. I had one. <laughs> I did too. And I burned something or something. I broke it. There was some sort of trauma around that that just came up as you were talking. I would have to ask my mom, who is an avid listener of my podcast, by the way, so she will definitely maybe chime in on the comments. But there was something about a burned or failed or maybe the equipment failed or broke. And uh, my brother and I were trying to make something on this easy bake oven and it just didn't work. And I just remember feeling disappointed. So that was, that was number one, but I never really didn't want to cook. I did remember being enrolled in cooking class and where they actually, my mom, it was through the park and recreation center. My mom took me there and I learned how to make, you know, just basic things from the Betty Crocker cookbook. Right. Um, mm -hmm. We just, whipped out that thing and uh, we learned how to make omelets. That was the first thing I made. So mm -hmm. I started to feel really super confident about cooking. So I think, you know, from that first experience with the Easy Bake Oven to the second experience, I think I was doing pretty good by the age of like seven or eight uh, with cooking. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you shared that. And I think, you know, I'm guessing a lot of your listeners probably can relate to those first experiences, you know, like Easy Bake Ovens was like a, it was like a rite of passage um, <laughs> for kids of a certain generation. So, um, and then also the Betty Crocker cookbook. I remember we talked about that and um, I loved Betty Crocker cookbook. It's, there's a lot of great golden nuggets in that classic. Um, but yeah, you bring up the, the burning of the Easy Bake Oven and that you got started with cooking but had some early disappointments. I do feel like that's key. I feel like when we try something new and it goes badly or poorly and then we're maybe we don't really to maybe try it again or we don't want to try it again or maybe we get some poor feedback or something like that and then we just stop and we don't try it again and i one of the things i'm thinking about with this is perfectionism and we were talking a bit about that of like it's hard when you're used to being good at something that you don't want to try new things because it might go badly but then also being imperfect is really really hard because beginner brain, you have to do something again and again and again. And we often need like a whole bunch of support around that. So I'm thinking about the cooking class that you did too, which I love that the first thing you learned was omelets. It reminds me a lot of like the Julia Child approach where she always taught like souffles and omelets first. Um, but uh, it's, it, it's like, okay, now you have a positive experience, but it's also somewhere else. It's at a cooking class. Like it's helpful to have it translated to your kitchen so that you're using your tools, you're you're doing it yourself. Because I've talked with a lot of people that do a class elsewhere and they have all the fancy gadgets and tools, but then they come home and they're like, what, how do I do that with my like, not so great skillet? <laughs> I love that not so great skillet because I was just thinking about pancakes. And I think that was one of the first things that we did make at home with my mother's help and it was both my brother and I, um, mm -hmm. you have to learn how to use the oven. And um, and so mom usually needs to be there at first. So she probably taught us how to crack the egg, put it in the batter, put it on the skillet. And yeah. uh, sometimes the pancakes look kind of weird. And, um, and I think it was a generally a very positive experience to hang out with my brother and my mom and um, and make food. And I think I remember the Charlie Brown cookbook as well. Mm -hmm. 
we made a Red Baron root beer, and which was basically a fancy name for put root beer in ice cube tray, put ice cube tray in freezer, and I think there was some sticks attached to it, so then you can have a little popsicle, and oh, those were kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. So, so really super positive. Um, yeah. And then um, there was, I mean, basically, I think my most positive, and I think I told you about this confidence building was when I was a teenager and we had season tickets to go to see the San Francisco Giants. And I was always in charge of making the cookies that we would take to the ball game. And uh, so uh, one time I was making the cookies and we didn't have any eggs. And I went to the old Betty Crocker cookbook and they said that you could substitute a dollop of mayonnaise for each egg that's required for the recipe. And I said, well, <laughs> what else am I going to do? I have no eggs. Uh, it's funny. I didn't even think about going to the uh, neighbor's house and borrowing an egg or two, but I didn't. I just thought I'd wing it. Mm -hmm. And the cookies were peanut butter cookies and they turned out spectacular. My my mom mm -hmm. and my brother both love them and they melted in your mouth and I don't make them any other way now. That's so brilliant. I mean, I think like, especially for someone, you, you say that you don't like cooking, you're not like a big cook. And yet the um, ingenuity that that took and also like the like independence to be like, oh, I'll just go to the cookbook and see if there's a substitute. I mean, like, there's something there, you know, like I feel like that's a skill with cooking of how to pivot when something's not working out, um, mm -hmm. how to just be okay with it not being perfect. And I mean, that substitute is is really brilliant. Like, mm -hmm. yay, Betty Crocker, because, um, you know, like eggs, mayonnaise in general is just an egg emulsified with oil. So it is a perfect substitute. And a lot of people don't know that about mayonnaise. So you wouldn't even think to do that. And mm -hmm. I feel like cooking is a bit of becoming a lost art, you know, to have that everything's very convenient. And, you know, if nowadays, like if you didn't have eggs, you could order that online, have it delivered in two hours if you really couldn't get to the store, you know. So the idea of like looking for another way of doing that is is becoming a bit lost. And maybe that's not such a bad thing, but kind of what I'm coming back to a little bit of like, but is that convenient and it is doing things really fast and it is like, how does that nourish us? How does that fulfill us? And is there something fulfilling? Like, I bet that was a bit of a confidence boost for you of, I figured it out. And you create this really amazing recipe. And I think you said you still make those cookies from time to time, like now. I do. I don't ever make them without mayonnaise. I, I always make them without eggs and with mayonnaise and they are spectacular. Yeah. I also uh, believe, uh, well, oh yeah, my other secret ingredient, and this was again uh, a mistake, but um, it turned out great was I was making a cake one time and we didn't have any vegetable oil. We did have peanut oil because I was at the time doing some stir fries. So I said, well, let's see if this works. And it, I will never make a cake without peanut oil ever again. Now, obviously, you in the audience who are allergic to peanuts don't do that. But, but for <laughs> me, it works out great because I'm not allergic to peanuts and it tastes amazing. If you've not made a cake with peanut oil, do so. Yeah, well, see, you're already giving tips, everybody, about how to cook. <laughs> I am not the expert here, though. I do have anxiety in the kitchen now. I just avoid it. Um, and so, yes, my first earlier experiences were pretty pleasant and fairly confidence boosting. And yeah. into my first marriage, felt pretty good about mm -hmm. cooking in general. 
Yeah. And did, it's okay for me to ask, did something shift? Like, why don't you like cooking if the early experiences were so good? Well, I just remember that after I got divorced, I said, I'm not cooking again. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I just, I had had it. I was, I was like, maybe burnt out. Maybe you could speak to cooking burnout. Uh, certainly you haven't probably struggled with cooking burnout because that's a way that you have combated burnout in, in the years. But I, I did have a cooking burnout. And I believe the reason why is because I would make these uh, meals for my husband at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of them were, I mean, he, he didn't really have a big, uh, variety of what he liked, but he definitely liked it cooked a certain way. And I learned how to do it exactly the way he liked it to be done. And I never really felt that there was a whole lot of appreciation for it though. I mean, yeah. I would make the food, I would plate the food, it would look good, it would taste good. Mm -hmm. Some of his um, army buddies would come over, especially when I made spaghetti mm -hmm. and they would compliment me, but my um, my now ex-husband would not do that. And, uh, and so I think that possibly, or probably, I would say, contributed to the, nope, I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. not going to do it uh, as soon as I got out of that marriage. Yeah, a hundred percent. That makes sense. And I have heard many people, especially women have a very similar experience and, Oh, with all the work that you put into that to not have it be appreciated is just like, well, yeah, what's the benefit here? What's, What's the right? What, what am I doing? And I've heard that from a lot of people. Like, I tried cooking, but my partner wasn't supportive, or there was criticism, or I wasn't appreciated in it. And so after a while, it's like, well, why keep doing something if you're getting like negative feedback all the time? So then there's like this association with cooking, and it's like, well, I'm just not going to do it. Which yeah, I totally get that. Um, mm -hmm. That makes was, really okay. good sense. That's and kind of like a spoiled child, I was. I was like, I'm not going to do it. Like, hmm, I'm taking my toys, I'm taking my cooking tools, and I'm going away. Well, and we'll pull some IFS in for that of like, yes, welcome, <laughs> welcome young, young part. That's like, no, I'm not going to do it. You can't make me. And there's, there's some real benefit to that because, I, you know, that's really stopping that pain of being unappreciated. So mm -hmm. I understand that. And one thing I'm thinking about with, you know, these, these offerings that I'm putting together are how can you be inside of a community that is going to give you a different reaction? Because mm -hmm. if you're not getting it from a partner, if you don't have a partner, I talk to a lot of single people and they're like, I'm just cooking for myself. You know, like, you know, I'm not getting any feedback, positive or negative. It's just me, you know, and mm -hmm. I just need something to put in my body. I don't need to do anything special. Um, so like, mm -hmm. what would it be like to be in a community of people who are all in the same boat, who are going to like cheer you on and be like, this is awesome. Or to have an event where, like you said, the army buddies came over and gave positive feedback for the spaghetti to have an event or a dinner or something like that with friends or with people who are going to cheer you on and be like, this is awesome. You mm -hmm. know, whatever you're making is great because it's, I, I keep using this term of like perfectly imperfect. You know, it's yeah. like, we're not really seeking uh, a, a gourmet dinner every night. We're seeking something that we put together, build your confidence and that mm -hmm. is going to taste Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, certainly I can relate to the whole, yeah, I'm, I'm single and I just need something to put in my body. And maybe sometimes it was boiled or whatever, broccoli and potatoes with butter and garlic pepper and, you know, all that, whatever. Maybe it was something fancier or maybe it was a bowl of cereal, but it was me just feeding myself and I wasn't getting any 
non-appreciation for it. I guess my body appreciated it because I was no longer hungry afterwards. But yeah, but yeah. Um, but then I think that what also shaped now that I'm thinking about it, my not doing cooking is because now I'm married again. I've been married now for 24 years to this man. And he happens to be an awesome cook and always was. And when we first met, I think uh, one of the things that uh, he did was he would come over to my place and he would make me food. And uh, I thought, you know, as long as he's doing it so well and I don't want to do it, this is like a match made in heaven. And that's not why I married him, but it definitely did factor in. Yeah. And like I was saying, like, I know so many people like that. And I mean, I think stereotypically in our culture, women have often been the ones that cook and in heterosexual relationships, like women cook for the men kind of thing. Like that's very like stereotypical. So I don't know if, if you've experienced this or if other people in your audience have, but like being the woman not cooking and the man cooking for the woman, the marriage, like, I don't know, there's, there's like a, like I should know how to cook or I should be able to cook or I should contribute. Whereas why isn't that okay? Like mm -hmm. he loves to cook, he cooks for you, like so be it. I feel like if that's working for you, that's that's awesome. This may not be the way to calm your chaos. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm but I'm willing to give it a try because I do feel sort of guilty and I do I do know that I can make some dishes really well. And yeah. uh, the ones that I do make, I can make well. And I feel like he shouldn't have to bear the brunt of all the cooking. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we we do the exchange to where, yeah, you cook, I have to. So I'm always cleaning the kitchen. I'm cleaning the right. kitchen. I feel like I have a sense of mastery cleaning the kitchen, loading that dishwasher, making sure those dishes are clean. Yeah. And uh, But I, I am interested in your your methods of, of helping people uh, calm anxiety or chaos uh, using cooking. I don't know if now would be a good time for me to show you some of the films that uh, yeah. sort of highlight how Tracy is in the kitchen. Well, if you're ready, I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited for your viewers to see this. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, this first clip that I'm going to show you is uh, something that I just took off of my cooking video. It's on YouTube, but let's just give it a go. I, I like edited it down to maybe a little bit over a minute. So let's take a watch. Okay. Push it down. You want to take the um, olive oil here, uh, open it up, or put a little bit of that to, in the bottom there. Some chili powder. So we definitely want to put some black pepper. Uh, what I like to do is open it up and just, you know, however much you want, just like that. And then put garlic on there. Make sure we get the right side opened up so we're not pouring it on there. Take both of them at the same time and flip them over. Okay. 
You want to take the um, olive oil here, uh, open it up, or put a little bit of that to, in the bottom there. chili powder, so we definitely want to put some black pepper. Uh, what I like to do is open it up and just, you know, however much you want, just like that, and then put garlic on there. Make sure we get the right side opened up so we're not pouring it on there. that look you catch that look that I shot my husband like <laughs> like no that was that 10 year old that just kind of reared it's like no I'm not I don't want to I don't want to touch the yeah. fish yeah and and that's what he he was having you uh put seasonings on the fish and then he wanted you to touch the raw fish that's yeah. what that's what it was and also I would wonder if it's okay I can give some kudos to your husband like sounds like he was step by step telling you what to do how how was it having him like walk you through it was that helpful or I don't know you know I, I kind of I like it but then there was this sort of sense of like he knows more than I do which he does uh, but yeah it, there's that perfectionism there like oh I should know how to do this I should know he shouldn't have to be teaching me this I, I'm the one with the brains you know that kind of thing oh my gosh but that's the ego part of me that just needs to step back a little bit I think yeah, yeah. I mean, um, well, a couple of things ran through my mind, and then I want to uh, say something about the video for sure. But um, uh, I think it's really hard to have partners teach partners how to cook, like because there is kind of that. I mean, I've run into this with my husband because I've taught him a lot of things how to cook, and it's uh, there is this like power dynamic, and things get really tricky. And it's like, yeah, I'm the one I should know how to do this. Like, you shouldn't have to tell me and don't tell me that way. You know, so, so kudos for you for like, letting him tell you some things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, yeah, but uh, and one last piece on that is I have thinking about um, that I think when we're adults, especially when it comes to things like cooking or other kind of domestic -y tasks, there's this feeling like we should know this already. We should know how to do this already as if like as an adult, you've just arrived and all of these skills are just here. And so I think that's why it's often really hard to start to learn these things as adults because it feels there's like a shame piece in there. Okay. And yet the reality of it is like, we are never arrived as an adult. There's always time to learn things. It's never too late to learn something that even feels like something you should have learned at some point in your life. So I'll just offered that to that ego part that mm -hmm. it's like, you're okay. You're okay. It makes, it makes good sense. You haven't learned it. 
Um, but tell me about the touching the fish. What didn't you like about that? <laughs> I mean, I, I think a lot of people can think <laughs> that. I don't think many people like touching fish, but what was that for you? Yeah, this is turning into like cooking after dark with Kristen's hand, right? Like, tell me about the fish. <laughs> tell me about touching the fish. <laughs> well, if you're not like that less often. <laughs> yeah, Kristen's hand after dark. Uh, that might be some some other uh, sort of recipes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was it was slimy, and I didn't want to do it. I just didn't. First yeah. off, it was it was going to be slimy. I wasn't going to like the way it felt, and I didn't see the point because I had put the spices on it. Aren't they going to stick on there anyway? And uh, so I didn't I didn't think. And then, or I could use a spoon or a tool or something. You know, there was other, I just felt like there was other ways to do that instead of like getting my hands all, I have nails, right? You know, like, so I didn't want these things to have like fish things underneath them, you know? So those are all the reasons why it was that the fish itself, it really wasn't that bad when I touched it. I have to say it. I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it was. So I, I got to give, I, I got to give that out there, you know, as far as experience goes. Yeah. Well, I want to validate everything you just said, because <laughs> I think a lot of that makes really good sense. You may not have had to touch it. That's the way he's done it. And I think that's why a lot of chefs do it. And also, I, to be fair, I think it's easier for men in some instance, if they don't have nails, some men have long nails, but I mean, like, Mm -hmm. It's you're right. It gets underneath their nails. I just ran across a YouTube channel of a woman that her whole channel is how to cook with nails and like how to make it, how you do this, having long nails. And um, I'll find it for you. Maybe you can put this. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So what I would say is like, yeah, that is one way of doing it. And then if like touching the fish with a spoon or just sprinkling it on and then calling it good, like try that for you. You know, like this is a, a bit of like learn a method and then adjust it to what works for you. So I wonder if you were to make that again, maybe there would be another way that you could get the spices on there and feel okay about it and then compare it. Did it really taste different if you patted it down or not, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking of a, one of those meat tenderizers. I know we have one in there and I could just, you know, just kind of give it a couple of pounds and, you know, maybe get some aggression, anger aggression out on that fish while I'm at it. It's kind of a double uh, positive right there, but double uh, duty. That's true. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. So Tommy had to play golf too. He actually taught me from the beginning up. Mm. And, uh, but that actually, um, that has gone okay. He's a, he's a very patient man. So, I mean, one has to be to be married to me. <laughs> so I mean, you really do. I'm, I'm a lot. <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, as you were t kind of telling your story, maybe there's more um, tenderness. Ooh, pun not intended, but that was good. <laughs> Um, tenderness yeah. around the kitchen than there is maybe on the golf course. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So is there any, are there any kind of tips, tools, or techniques you might want to offer up to me if I was willing to start cooking a little bit more, uh, doing a little bit more in the kitchen, being, you know, more willing to help out in that area? One, how to sort of get back into the kitchen uh, with a little bit more confidence. And two, like to sort of be more mindful about, is this actually working for my anxiety? And it, is it decreasing my anxiety? Because I think when mastery goes up, this is what DBT says, by the way, dialectical behavior therapy, is when your mastery goes up, your stress goes down. 
And uh, that's true for a lot of things, uh, including jobs and I think cooking. And so I don't know if that's part of what you have to offer, but uh, give me your sales pitch, uh, your best shot about like, give this a try, Tracy, give this more of a try <laughs> and it might just reduce your anxiety. Yeah, well, I would say it's speaking of mastery that I would start with small recipes and small um, meals that you know how to cook and that you're good at cooking and start it small, just maybe one meal a week or one meal, even a month, if it's too overwhelming so that you can start to build some confidence. And then if you're making that one meal, um, then maybe you could integrate like an extra ingredient or you can try a second meal and um, just to kind of, uh, and have someone who's giving you some positive feedback. So if your husband is gonna be supportive, sounds like he's pretty supportive yeah. and um, like have someone who's gonna tell you like, this is great. So if your listeners out there, I know we're, we're pitching it to you, <laughs> but we're pitching yeah, it to my listeners, listeners who are like me. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> if, if um, yeah, if like, if you don't have someone at home to kind of give you that positive feedback, maybe make a meal and have a friend come over or bring that to like a book club or a potluck or something like that, where you're going to have some people that are, are giving you some positive feedback so that you're like feeling more encouraged to do this. You're not just in a vacuum doing this by yourself. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about the, is there a neurophysiology or a neurodynamic sort of thing that happens in the brain that does scientifically reduce anxiety with cooking? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> um, well, I, I can speak about, I'm curious to speak about like um, the five senses and what that has in the, cause I know like when you integrate your five senses, it does help to calm down anxiety and stress because you're getting out into your environment instead of into your body. So in terms of science and neurobiology, uh, I might pass that off to the researchers and if I can find some articles, I'll share it. But what I know is that cooking engages all five senses. So you have to touch things. We just saw that in the film clip. Um, you're smelling the ingredients, you're listening to like sizzling and sounds, you're um, tasting it at the end. And I'm trying to think the other ones, taste yeah, smell, yeah. you're touch, looking at the feeling. touch. Visual, visual presentation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know what something looks, you know, pretty when it's plated versus if you're just kind of like dropping it into a bowl. So like all of those things, if you can get out of your head of like, I'm gonna mess this up, this isn't gonna be great, to what does this feel like outside of me? Um, that can be very calming. And the, I think the hard part when it's not easy in the kitchen is to focus on the senses and the touch versus thinking about what are what's going on mm -hmm. and that's a little bit more of what i'm encouraging too is while you're cooking check in with your thoughts what are you thinking are you thinking i don't know what i'm doing i'm gonna mess this up i just want to be reading a book right now like oh my gosh the kids are underfoot you know what are you thinking mm -hmm. and using that a bit as like mindfulness to come back to the present moment of like okay well what does the sauce taste like taste it do you like the way it tastes? Do you not like the way it tastes? And then you can start to experiment of like, what happens if I put a little more salt in it? What happens if I squeeze some lemon in that? You know, like, and then part of this is knowing the things to do when something doesn't taste good, but it's in the creative exploratory process. And that very much can help calm down the nervous system, but it also builds confidence, which is gonna help you be more 
you know, like self-efficacy, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then mastery. mastery. I did find a couple articles around how um, cooking can increase confidence. Maybe not so much about the the calming, but there were a couple of articles that came out recently, like after COVID, because so many people were cooking at home because we couldn't go out. We we're all forced to cook in our kitchens. <laughs> So some um, some articles that did say that uh, self confidence goes up much higher when you're doing when you're cooking at home and for yourself because you can see the beginning, middle, and end of creating something just for you, and you're like, I did that, I created that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. So confidence, though, I was thinking about a person who is in general confident about themselves. They're going to be uh, naturally calmer. Like, okay, so go, a confident person going to a party is going to be far less anxious than a, a person who's not confident going to a party. And so that totally makes sense. That if cooking can increase your confidence, then if you're in general confident in the kitchen, you're not going to be as anxious. And it can actually have a reinforcing effect to where the brain just remembers. I had a positive experience in the kitchen. And so it wants to be in there more. Right. I mean, that makes sense to me too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So coming from a dialectical behavioral therapy, the DBT standpoint of the five senses, we could consider cooking to be a mindfulness exercise. The way you described it was exactly how we taught people in DBT groups how to do mindfulness is to be able mm -hmm. to use engage the five senses, notice any thoughts or feelings that come in, sort of um, notice them without judgment and then focus, refocus uh, on what the task is that you're doing and engage the five senses again. So that's, that's an inspiration for me to at least try, I'll try once a week, but then I'll report back and I'll let you know how, how okay. it goes. Um, in the meantime, let's take a little trip over to your website, if we could, and have you talk sure. about your good stuff. And we've already uh, actually seen a lot of your good stuff, but um, we will see a little bit more here. Uh, so we see your website here. You want to talk a little bit about what your website has to offer? Yeah, so my website, I have um, my a, a little freebie, and it's a free private podcast. So here you, you're hearing me on this on podcast here with you, Tracy. This is a, a free 10-minute private podcast where I talk more in depth about some of those barriers that keep you out of the kitchen and then how to overcome them so that you can take the next step towards maybe trying to cook a meal in the kitchen. So that's called Cooking with Clarity. Um, there's also a little workbook that I have with that podcast. So that's when you see that reflection bundle. It's this free print podcast and some reflective questions similarly to what we just modeled right here with you, Tracy. So you mm -hmm. can do that by yourself with that uh, workbook. So uh, kind of understanding what are the things keeping you in the kitchen? What would maybe help you to take the next step towards doing something different? Yeah. So you can yeah. find that at my website in the oh. kitchen with Kristen.com. Look at that. Now, do you now these are books that you, uh, these are eBooks or are they actual paper books? They're eBooks. You can download them. They're PDFs and you can print them out if you want to, or you can just fill them in right there on the PDF. Oh my um, goodness! Like, I think it's like a like two three page, so it's pretty quick. This won't take a whole lot of time. Oh my goodness! And there you are in your lovely kitchen with your lovely spatula. Yeah. I know it, it shows some uh, that I really do cook. 
<laughs> yeah, and you know, the spatula could have been used as a really good tool with that fish. Uh, just not wanting to give that idea up that I really did not want to touch that fish, but it really wasn't that bad. So, um, so here's so here is Kristen's website, and you can get in contact with her there. Is there any other? Uh, is there yeah. any other place that you can? Um, lead us to, to try and I'll go ahead and put the uh, website uh, address up here, but is there any other products or services or anything else that you have to offer here? Yeah, I also have a YouTube channel. It's the same um, handle um, in the kitchen with Kristen on YouTube. And I have some great um, shorts, cooking tips, how to cut garlic, how to make matchstick vegetables. Um, and also some like longer videos around like making time for yourself. So you even have the time to cook. So you can check me out there for some free videos. I update that pretty regularly so you can get some new content on there. Um, and then if anyone is interested, I am in the beginning of the year going to be launching a six week cooking course and it's all online so that people can practice cooking at home and it's going to be around basic, basic skills. So if you ever wondered how to chop an onion, or if you, you know, how do I use butter versus oil? Those kinds of questions that maybe you feel like, oh, it's too, I'm too late to ask those questions. <laughs> That's going to be what we do. Really basic, basic things like that. Yeah, I think that, yeah, when we think about confidence in the kitchen, I actually impressed, I think I impressed my family on a vacation when we were, actually, it was a memorial, we were in Kauai, and we were all in this uh, house together, and uh, we had all bought groceries, and I was doing my famous microwave eggs, and they, I thought they were sort of impressed, but sort of scratching their head too. Like, how did she learn how to do this? So I thought I'd make a little video about it. If, if you care to listen and comment, uh, I think you might get a kick out of this. This one is a little bit longer. It's maybe almost three minutes long. And I'm going to go ahead and put the back black background on and uh, see okay. how this works. So this is my famous microwave cooking. This is my display now that I've learned how to display things. And this is the key because this is going to make it into a perfect size egg patty. So crack, scramble. Why wouldn't it? In the toaster. Oh, this 
egg patty. And I think it's done. Toast is done. Yes, yeah, and and I'm so proud of myself. So that's a positive experience. If I could make a film and and have a positive experience in the kitchen, I mean, why wouldn't you, right? Why, yeah, why wouldn't you? And I mean, what I loved about that is it didn't have to be complex. It's okay to cook in the microwave, and you still impressed your family, even though it was cooking an egg in a microwave. You know what I mean? Like that's Absolutely. what I'm getting at. Is like, how can we get back in the kitchen, not be intimidated, and have it be imperfect and doesn't have to be fancy. It's just exactly. taking care of ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Well, everybody, uh, please check out Kristen's website and also her cooking classes, all of the uh, free products and services that she offers. And she's just been a delight. Um, Kristen, you've been a delight to have on the show. And I am going to take uh, the, I guess, every week cooking challenge. I'm going to make something every week and I will report back to both my audience and you, see how it goes. Any parting words you wanna say? Oh, just thanks so much for having me. This was such a blast. I had a really good time. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us on Calming the Chaos and take care. Thanks, you too. Thanks for listening to Calming the Chaos podcast. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, please like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. You can also go to www.calmingthechaospodcast.com to listen to all Calming the Chaos podcast episodes. I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care. Howl at the moon or something like that.